0: the Faith in the Fire podcast. I am your host, Noelle Lynn, and I am so excited for today. Y'all, you're just going to have to bear with me because I get super, super excited when I talk about these things. And I've got, I am on fire today. So last week, I shared a little bit of my story, uh, just so that you could have a little bit of insight into me. Uh, Some of you that listen, you know, actually know me and others have no idea who I am. Maybe you see me on Facebook or maybe, uh, you've seen me on Instagram or you've seen me in the real estate world. Um, so I wanted you to kind of know me at a deeper level so that when when I talk to you, you understand that I understand where you've come you're coming from you know I want you to know that you're not alone and that when you do feel like you're alone and nobody understands you that's a lie that the enemy planted in your head to keep you in a place of shame to keep you hiding uh, to make you feel guilty about who you are or where you've been and you know I was there too. But now, you know, I'm I'm no longer ashamed. In fact, I am so grateful for the valleys that I had to go through and the changes and the growth and the, you know, the refinement that I've experienced because of those valleys. And I want to help you get to a place where you can look back on some of the darkest times of your life and be grateful to. It's such a good feeling. So you're probably thinking, yeah, that sounds great. Well, all fine and good. But how do I get there? Because right now, I don't really see a way out. And I'm not feeling very encouraged. I'm not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So where do I begin? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So where do you begin? Well, the most logical place in my mind for somebody to start is with yourself. I mean, think about it. How many people in this world can you truly control their behaviors their decisions, what they say, what they do other than you? nobody and so what I've found is that a lot of times we when when we're going through something what we what we do is we we look at the other per- the other people or the other thing or the other entity it's that job, it's that boss, it's my daughter, it's my son, it's my spouse it's you know whatever we look at other people and say well if they would only change xyz and and or we allow other people to tell us who we are to tell us what to think about ourselves to tell us how to feel about ourselves and we allow all these things that other people do impact how we think feel and what we believe about ourselves and so the only way that we can stop anything or improve anything or start Better things for our lives is if we start with us. So, most of the time when we're in a dark place or our lives are going any direction but up, what we start to feel is embarrassed. We want to hide from what's going wrong and we want to hide it from everyone else too. So, we end up shutting ourselves off of relationships, passions, goals you name it. We close ourselves out, and when our lives aren't perfectly postable. We feel like failures. So if any one thing, if we didn't get that job, if our son or our daughter wasn't, you know, top of his class or didn't make that football team or that cheerleading squad, we start looking at ourselves as failures. Or if, you know, our lives aren't feeling like, you know, Instagram worthy or Facebook beautiful, then we we end up hiding those things or we feel like we need to cover them up because, oh, my gosh. Nobody can know, and we feel shame. And sometimes, you know, that shame is just too much, and we'll isolate ourselves. And that's when things get really, really scary. Uh, And that's what I did too. But you know, uh, according to Gerald Fishkin, he is a California-based psychologist, and he he wrote the book, The Science of Shame. The experience of shame is connected with the limbic system. Now, the limbic system—just to explain to you—it's at like the base of your neck in your brain in your head. It's it's right there at the at the base of your neck. So that's the part of the brain that influences um, the nervous system. So the the, the automated um, nervous system, which is responsible for your fight or flight response. So he says that the experience of shame is connected to that. Well, the the fight or flight response is our childlike response. So what do children do if they think they did something wrong? They hide, they isolate, they, they run from whatever it is, and they try to cover it up. And scientificamerican.com also explains it this way. They say, we feel shame when we, when we violate the social norms we believe in. At such moments, we feel humiliated, exposed and small, and are unable to look another person straight in the eye. We want to sink into the ground and disappear. Shame makes us direct our focus inward and view our entire self in a negative light. Now, therapists, when if you've ever gone to a therapist or you've ever gone through counseling, therapists will call these negative thought patterns or negative thought, thought cycles. And that's exactly what they are. We look inside of ourselves and we reinforce those negative thought patterns. We reinforce all of these things things that we're telling ourselves that are causing us to feel such intense shame and guilt and embarrassment and causing us to hide and causing us to isolate. So before we dive a little bit deeper into how you start with you, I want to help you feel a little bit better about where you are and prove that you're not alone other than the fact that, you know, I've been there too. All right. So we've already talked about what psychologists say about shame. Now let's look at what the Bible says about shame. So in Genesis chapter 3, in, this is when uh, Eve took of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and ate it and then shared it with her husband. That's Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. The very next verse says, At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Prior to this point, guys, they had no idea what nakedness even was. So the tree of knowledge, the reason that's bad is because now they see their bodies in, in a shameful light. Their nakedness is now shameful. And there enter they're shame. It's the first negative feeling mentioned in the Bible before sin entered the world. Everything before this point was peace, joy, and happiness. It was literal rainbows and cherries. And the first thing Adam and Eve did in verse seven, right after that, was cover themselves with fig leaves. And right after that, in verse eight, it says, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid. So when we feel shame, we hide. Psychologists say that when we feel shame, we want, we want to keep ourselves out of the public eye. We want to kind of bury ourselves and, and pretend we're not there, right? That's what it just said. And so they covered it up and then they hid. So from the beginning, we see that shame makes us hide. We hide because we get in our head and we convince ourselves we are the only ones who have ever done something so awful and nobody could possibly understand us. And so we will just keep it to ourselves. But worse, we keep telling ourselves how bad we are for it. And this is where the negative thought patterns come into play. And that's exactly where Satan wants us, stuck in our heads. But y'all, who does God say we are? What does God think about us? How does God want us to respond to our shame? Well, in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Y'all, God was looking for them in the Garden of Eden. He knew they had broken that perfect relationship with him. And yet he pursued Adam and Eve, even after they sinned. God wants us to repent, which guys, the word repent literally means to turn the other way, to turn away from. So when people say that I want you to, or that God wants you to repent from sin, what it literally means is turn the other way from sin. Well, if we turn the other way from sin, literally about face from sin, opposite direction, 180 degrees, when we turn the other way from sin, the opposite of evil is good. God is the only good creator, the only one that is good. And so when we turn away from sin, we're turning toward God. And he wants us to come to him. He doesn't want us to feel shame. He wants to take care of us when we are weak. And he wants us to come to him when we are broken. He wants us to be in fellowship with him not alone. The enemy wants us to isolate and hide. And while God wants us to fall into his loving safety. So we were never created for shame. So those negative thought patterns that you have were never meant to be ours to carry. In fact, God says in Genesis that everything he created was very good. He created us in his image and all of his creation is good. Shame was not his perfect plan for us. So When we start getting into our heads and shame creeps in, we need to remind ourselves that we were not created for this. We are created in the image of God and we are perfect in his sight. So let's dig into this and make it a little bit more applicable to your everyday life and and make this a little bit more practical. So there are several cultural and spiritual factors that contribute to this phenomenon of shame or this phenomenon of, of the negative thought patterns that that we typically have. So um, we contribute ourselves, other people contribute, the world contributes, and the enemy contributes. So how do you contribute? Well, we contribute to it in our own minds. So we think the way we do because our brains are pre-wired for fear. We can see our weaknesses far before we see our strengths. That's how we're wired. And, And part of this comes from comparison within ourselves. We compare ourselves within ourselves. This looks like comparing who we are now with who we wish ourselves to be. And when those two images don't align, we're bad. Or we tell ourselves that we're bad, or we're not good enough, or um, we're, we're failures. And, and so what we don't realize, and what we fail to take into account is that becoming the person of our deepest desires requires a journey. We don't like to factor that into the equation. Instead, we beat ourselves up and hyperfocus on every aspect of our being that falls short of the person we aspire to be. And that adds to these negative thought patterns, right? So, and, and others do this too. And don't even get me started on that because society convinces us we need to be a certain way or it's less than or maybe we're even told that we're bad if we're not a certain way or if we don't buy into certain cultural norms and I hate to bring us all back to this but middle school is a perfect example of this I know that we all hate middle school but you have to wear the right shoes have the right brands have the best hair and now even the best nails and do not get me started on that my 12 year old asks me for fake nails on the regular. And I do not understand it. And I will not conform. Because I think that it's just another, another way of telling us that if we don't have these, these things, we're not good. And I just don't agree with that. Now, in this scenario, we're comparing ourselves to everyone else. Thank you, social media. Right. We do that all the time. And what doesn't make sense to me is the fact that we know these people are using virtual filters for their photos and they're selectively filtering the events of their lives to paint a perfect picture. That is a lie. And can we just talk about how dull that perfectly postable life seems? Because I'm sorry, but when do they get to celebrate? over the darkness victory over the darkness when do they get to celebrate that and when do they experience the satisfaction of growth or the satisfaction of being able to look back on who you were yesterday knowing you're not that same person today and feeling that that pride or that that strength that power that comes with that i i want real life experiences i want to learn and i want to earn my way to greatness. I don't want to just click a few buttons and have, you know, the perfect complexion and the perfect coloring over my life. I don't want, I don't want that. It sounds extremely boring and extremely lame and very lackluster. And it's not anything that I would ever want for my life. And and then the world, oh, don't, oh, the world contributes to us in a million ways. And this is, this is how people in the world send us into those ne- negative thought patterns too, because no matter how much we, we know the life, um, the showcase isn't, isn't reality. The, the, the pictures on Facebook, it's not, it's not reality. We, we know that social media is a lie in and of itself. And, and, you know, even, even I try to be as transparent on social media as I possibly can. And yet I catch myself trying to color every event of my life in, in, a you know, brighter light, making, making light of it or making it funny or making it seem like, you know, I've got it all together. And, and sometimes I have to pause and I have to, I have to kind of check myself and make sure that I'm painting an accurate picture and, and it's, but still, when we see those other, those other folks on, on Facebook or Instagram, it still makes us feel ashamed of our own lives, even though we know that that's not reality. And so, you know, the last, the last person that contributes to this is, is the enemy. You know, the enemy loves negative thought patterns. He lives negative thought patterns. He loves it when we beat ourselves up and he loves to add to the lies we believe about ourselves. He wants us to feel like we aren't enough and will never be enough. He wants us to believe when people tell us that we are unlovable or when people reject us. He wants us to feel unwanted. Uh, he, and he tells us we made too big of a mistake to ever recover or we are, we're too messed up. Now, let me tell you a little bit about me. So I'm, I'm a divorced mother of six. And when I was going through my divorce, that is what, that is what the enemy told me. He, he told me that I have made too big of a mistake and I have destroyed my children's lives and they'll never be happy. And I'll never be wanted again. And I'll never be good enough. And we're too messed up. And who wants to take on, you know, a, broken mother and her six washed up kids like who who wants to take that on no man is ever going to want you or your children again and that's you know I lived in that that space for a long time and you know what I think my kids even lived there too it's amazing how much your attitude about your situation gets passed on uh to your kids and so and that's one of the main reasons why you start with yourself first. You have to stop those negative thought patterns about yourself and reinforce who you are and really get clear about who you are and and stop the, the lies of the enemy before you can ever start improving the, the perception your kids have of themselves or helping them walk through these, these hard times or, or even a spouse or, or what have you. If you haven't worked on you you can't, you can't begin to work on anybody else. It's kind of like, you know, what they say in the, you know, in the airlines, hey, if we're going down, you put that oxygen mask on yourself first before you try to put anybody else's oxygen mask on or help them. Because if you don't have oxygen and you spend your time helping everybody else, then what's inevitably going to happen is their help is going to pass out. Their help is going to be done for, they're going to be depleted of oxygen. And the, they're, they're going to be incapacitated. So that help will eventually run out. And so in order to sustain the help, sustain your ability to pour into others, you need to take care of yourself first. And so um, that's kind of how the enemy contributes to your negative thought patterns too. And then the worst part is we hear these things in our mind and we believe them. And then we replay it in our head over and over and over again. And those are those negative thought patterns, those negative thought cycles that therapists talk about. But in the Bible, um, they mention it too. And they, you know, it talks in the Bible about how to kind of take captive your thoughts. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. So how do I go about making this stop? Well, here's the good news. We can change the negative narrative in our head at any time, and here's how first things first, we have to look within, and this is the hardest part if you want to defeat the darkness, you have to start with you. You are the only one you truly have control over. You can't stop your spouse from continuously doing x y z in my world it was the you know the laundry, and my you know my spouse was. Constantly negative and couldn't handle stresses and um, really struggled with with that part of life. You know, any any small situation became big. And so, I can't stop him from responding the way he wants to respond or the way he knows how to respond. And so, the only way that I can really do anything about that situation or the way that I could was to worry about me right and so I had to I had to look within and I I still have to look within um, just working even working with my kids you know I don't have I don't have control over how they're going to respond when I tell them to do the dishes which is always a battle in my home and you know all I can all I can do is choose how I respond and so that's that's where you start because that's who you have control over you so so we start with ourselves and and first things first, you have to search within and search your heart to find the origin of where these thoughts are coming from. They came from somewhere, guys. We don't just start believing these things about ourselves because they were just a random happenstance. They come from somewhere. Uh, for example, you know, I was always, I'm, I'm a little bit loud and uh, people know that. And I had a hard time with that. I thought that there was always something wrong with me. And I, you know, that stemmed from when I was younger, you know, my I, I always and I'm I'm honest to a fault and I'm working on it. Uh however, I would always people would ask me a question and I would answer. I am still like that to this day. And sometimes I would be a little bit too detailed in my answers. And I remember when I was growing up, you know, my parents would always tell me, "Noel, try not to be the center of attention." and i never understood that because my heart's intent was not to be the center of attention and yet in in my mind i felt like i was an attention hog and i was obnoxious and i was too much and nobody enjoyed my presence and and that's how that's how it started and it kind of those negative thought patterns just kind of grew inside me and I started to believe things about myself that weren't true and so you know when I go into a room sometimes and I'm feeling like oh my gosh they're looking at me or if I go into a room and I this happens all the time with me like I'll be mid-conversation outside of the room and I'll go into a meeting room or something and I'll be giggling and when I giggle entering a room all eyes are on me the very first thought that I have in my head is oh my gosh all eyes are on me I've stolen the attention in the room and now everybody's going to think that I'm an attention hog. I have to get this attention off of me somehow. How can I put this on somebody else? And it's that that origin, the origin of those thoughts came from when I was growing up. Basically, you know, I was just there for a good time. I was just being me. I was just being honest. I heard something or I thought something and I wanted to share it and it it appeared in my parents' perspective that i was an attention hog and so then i learned and i had told myself that any time the attention is on me i'm being selfish i'm being i'm being an attention hog i'm being too loud uh, i'm being annoying i'm obnoxious and so that's where those that that those negative thought patterns started and so um that's that's kind of what you have to do you have to figure out where did I get this thought? Where did it come from? And in the Bible, this is where we ask God to search our hearts. Um, it, we we ask Him to search our hearts to find out where we're broken and to expose where we're being sinful. But we also ask Him to search our hearts to to help us see where this is coming from and where where we got these ideas and how they planted themselves so deeply in in our hearts and how these seeds took up root and and have you know surfaced today to kind of cause destruction and and so we ask him to seek our hearts scientifically this is what therapists help us do by tapping into our core memories and helping us reflect on them right so um in order for us to kind of look within we we have to know kind of what does that look like in action how do we do that what 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 is Look within, even mean, right? First and foremost, guys, we've got to make time. You have to set it set some time aside to sit and reflect. Now, this this requires you to be alone. This requires you to be, uh, and maybe it's with a therapist or maybe it's with a, a close friend or a you know an, another Christian woman. Uh, but it does require us to be to be in a place where reflection can occur. And I strongly encourage this to be just you and God at first. And and make, make significant time, guys. This work takes a lot of time. It's heavy. And so you need to make sure that you leave some margin uh, for the work to be done. Open that up in your schedule. And then the next thing that you have to learn how to do is be still. I can't tell you at the beginning of my journey uh, after my divorce or at the beginning of my divorce when we were going through that process, I was like, you know what? I'm going to set set some time aside and I'm going to I'm going to do some reflecting. It never failed. Every single time my phone went off or the kids got in a fight or, you know, something happened. So I I was not really setting aside time to reflect. I was I was distracted. My phone was on. I was putting out fires outside of outside of my room. I was, I mean, doing everything every three, it seemed like every three seconds, I was interrupted. So the, the stillness wasn't there. So, so find a time and a place where you can have little to no disruptions and, and really be still. Be still and reflect. So another thing that you need to do is you need to seek to find the root of the things you're telling yourself and you need to really dig what this, what this looks like. So you've made time, you're sitting still, you're in the quiet, you're not, you're not distracted. And now you do the digging, right? So one of the ways that I did this uh, was I went through um, my church, Milestone Church in Keller, uh, Texas. It has uh, a program. It's restore redemption and freedom and so in redemption we did a thing where we went through we, we built a timeline of our lives and it was probably the most impactful uh project i took on uh, because when you do this you're going through and you're you're marking specific moments uh that left an impact in your life and you go back to the very first memory that you can remember whether it's positive or negative, the very first memory you can remember. And you you chart those on this timeline, right? And it helps you visualize all the experiences in your life. Some of them that, you know, you, you don't think of on a daily basis, but when you really do the digging and you really sit and think for a little while, you're like, oh yeah, I remembered that. Or, oh yeah, that did happen. Uh, and so you, when you dig through these things, you realize which experiences really left an impact and it helps you create a roadmap of how you got to where you are now. So when, if you're going to do it this way, which I highly recommend that, or journaling or something along the lines where you can kind of just write down whatever is going going through your mind and going through your heart in that quiet time, take your time and be as detailed as you can be. And you need to ask yourself, What am I believing about myself that is the opposite of what God says about me? Where did that belief come from? And really look for insight on where these thoughts originated. And that is where the undoing can begin. So let's talk about the undoing. Uh, So when we have negative thoughts about ourselves, it comes from somewhere. And the only way to cancel those out is to undo them. In the Bible, this is where Paul writes in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is where your your mind becomes renewed. It becomes, you, you start to see things from a different perspective. You understand the, the occurrences in your life and the experiences in your life in a different way. And in addition to that, you you see it through God's eyes. And it's, it, the pain kind of releases a little bit in that moment. Now, scientifically... The renewing of your mind is called neuroplasticity. Now, (laughs) that's a big word. Um, Neuroplasticity, I can geek out on this for a long time, but I'm not going to. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what it is and you guys can go look it up for yourselves. But neuroplasticity, it's the miraculous ability for your brain to be literally reshaped and have new connections and synapses created in order to allow you to kind of perceive the world around you through new experiences or um, take the experiences that you've you have and recolor them and it allows you to experience that the, the world now in with renewed perspective it's the coolest thing ever and so when when we experience traumas or when we experience wounds or pains it can actually cause our brain to change colors change shapes change sizes it physically impacts our brains. And that's why neuroplasticity is it, it, that's why God created neuroplasticity was so that when these these moments happen and when the damage happened in our in our brains, he is able to heal us through neuroplasticity or through the renewing of our mind. And what that requires is a lot of internal reflection and and a lot of forgiveness, a lot of and we're going to get into that. Um but this is one of the things that i I thought fascinating about the brain, and um it's really interesting how much that that part of the brain and or or just the that function of the brain and the Bible have in common It's absolutely beautiful, and as we go through this, i'm going to share more and more with you um and I'm still learning, but um as I learn I'm going to share it with you so once we've researched within and we've looked at ourselves and we've kind of figured out, okay, this is kind of where the root of those things come from, then we start looking externally. Now, when I say look externally, I do not mean that you need to look at so-and-so and say, you know what? They did this to me because they didn't. They're broken human beings just like you and I. And so it's it would be hypocritical for you to say, you know what? That person's bad. And I'm not because we're both, we're all equally broken. So when, when you're starting with yourself, you'll, you'll still need to look externally as well. It's part of the worrying about you process. And that process is about forgiveness. So forgiveness is, is literally the process of letting go and scientists speak about that process all the time and and they speak of it in terms of wounds now wounds are a form of trauma And trauma can occur at varying degrees. And our bodies will respond differently, you know. So divorce is a trauma. Abuse is a trauma. A car accident is a trauma. Uh, Falling off your bicycle can be a trauma. And the trauma is stored inside of us somewhere. And is most often released through the process of forgiveness. uh, Which psychologists confirm as one of the most effective ways to reduce anxiety depression and other mental illnesses. So who and what do you need to forgive? Well, that's part of the digging internally that you need to do that will help give you insight into where your negative thought patterns are coming from. So here's, here's the forgiveness process. According to the Mayo Clinic, uh, psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate, decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness okay let me i'm gonna point out two words here it is the conscious and deliberate it's a decision that is conscious and deliberate now the Bible refers to forgiveness as a beautiful act of surrender and understanding that we are all guilty. We are all just as guilty as the next person because we all live in a broken world. We're all equally broken and equally in need of forgiveness. And the forgiveness response, uh, the forgiveness process in in biblical terms, is still a release. It is a conscious and deliberate decision. To release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you. Regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. But you're releasing it to God. And you're giving it to the perfect judge. God. You're releasing the guilt of yourself, the guilt of others. And giving it to God. because you're, And and the purpose behind it and the, the, the heart or the intent behind it is your recognition of the fact that you too are broken. You are all on equal playing fields. No one person is more wrong than the other. And we're all in need of forgiveness. And so coming from that place, we release them consciously and deliberately of those feelings of resentment or vengeance. And we give that to God and let him judge them instead of us trying to take that on ourselves. So and and the forgiveness process is personal, guys. And it requires you to be honest, super honest with your, yourself, and very transparent with God. He already knows. He already knows. So release that. Release that to him and let him be the judge. So here's how you do that. Ask yourself, where do I need to let go and let God? And here's the reality of the situation, guys. I learned this a few years back, and it changed my perspective on a lot of things. We never sin against people. We don't sin against people. We only sin against God. And our sins, the result of our sins can wound people, right? So sometimes our our sin wounds ourselves and sometimes our sins are the cause of other people's wounds. Uh, but in any case, we, we need to take every sin to God because we sin against God, not other people. And that was super um, freeing to me because I realized that, you know what, I don't need forgiveness from anybody else, and, and again, forgiveness is the, the releasing of and putting it in God's hands. And the, the, the reality of that situation is I don't, I don't necessarily have to go to that person and say, hey, I forgive you. I can't forgive. You didn't sin against me. So I can't forgive you. That forgiveness is literally the act of putting that person and the wound and the hurt into the hands of God for him to be the judge. And so it's it's really freeing when you realize that you don't have you don't have to do that. Now there are times where you're going to have to have a hard conversation and say, "Hey, this really hurt me and I need to get past this and we need to get past this and we need to build our relationship, so let's talk about it." But the actual act of forgiving a person for the sin that they had a, is not, is not yours. They sinned against God and that sin wounded you. And so you just need to work on healing that wound. And so when you do that and, um, you release people of that, that is, um, that is one step in, in the process of healing that wound. And it's, it's so simple. Um, uh, but it's hard. And, and sometimes it's because we can't, we, we feel like we still need to carry it or we still feel guilty. Um, and so we're like, here, I give it to you, God, forgive me and take this from me. And a, a day later or two days later, maybe even an hour later, we've got it back. We took it back and we said, you know what? I got it. I'm going to keep this. Uh, and what that tells us is that forgiveness or releasing people, even ourselves, of whatever it is that we think that we need release from or that we know that we need release from, is not always a one-time thing, and so when when we catch ourselves in these negative thought patterns, or we catch ourselves, you know, trying to take back what we just gave to God, we need to um, we need to go back to God's word. This is how we do that. Okay, in order to replace the negative things you're believing about yourself with the truth of with the truth of God's word, you have to have some sort of system in place. I used to write this stuff on my mirror. I wrote it on my kid's mirror. I had post-its all over my house, my car. Uh, I changed the background of my phone. I surrounded myself with the truth um, in order to replace it in my mind and get rid of the lies. And that's what helped me stop the negative thought patterns. Um, And that's how I took captive my thoughts. And this is a good one to start with. Isaiah 43, 4 says since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you I will give people in exchange for you nations in exchange for your life we are precious and honored in God's eyes guys if you repeat what God says about you as many times as the enemy tries to get you to believe a lie about you the enemy will not stand a chance and as you as you kind of dig into this guys you're going to find verses that Resonate with you, and that's when you write them on your mirror. There was a period of time I remember we were struggling with anger, like hardcore struggling with anger, and I had um, had verses that would cancel out the anger all over um, all over our mirrors. I put it on my mirror. I put it on the little's mirror. And and the last thing that I have to kind of suggest is as you're as you're doing these things. Um, And as you're, you know, in your quiet time, ask God for his eyes and his perspective. Continue to ask him for for wisdom and just ask God to help you see yourself and others the way he sees you um, and others. And that'll help kind of the negativity in your world subside. And so um, before I go, I just want to I just want to summarize kind of what what I've said so you can walk away with with the good stuff. Right. So no matter the issue uh, in your world, you start with you. You inspect the lies you're believing and you take captive those thoughts and you do that by repeating what God says is true about you. You need to forgive anyone you've not forgiven. Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison. You yourself drinking poison and expecting the other person, the one that that hurts you to die. It's it's absolute insanity. And so I want to help you build new habits. Right. So uh, what is a new habit from this that I think you should you should build internally? I think that you need to build quiet time, reflection time uh, into your schedule. You need to make this a regular part of your day. Uh, where you can celebrate the successes of your day, you can pinpoint areas of growth, uh, and and you can remind yourself of what you have to be grateful for. Uh, my my kids and I do this um, at the table and uh, at the dinner table, and we call it two glows and a grow. And we have to say two things that we that we did well or that w- went well that day. And one area of growth, and so that's that's maybe something that you could incorporate into your day for yourself, or your family, or what have you. But uh, whatever it is, make sure that you're also practicing forgiveness every day. Uh, where ask yourself where you need to release someone for you know for the pain they've caused. If you if you had a coworker or a kid or a spouse say something that just really hurt your feelings, um, you you've got to do a daily release of those things and 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 for yourself forgive yourself too and give god what is his to to handle right uh, did you know that it is scientifically impossible to laugh and be angry at the same time it is also impossible to be grateful and angry at the same time and so if you take moments of your day to be truly grateful you stop the negative thought patterns dead in their tracks and you're reframing your thoughts to be positive and life-giving so take time out of your day be still reflect and be grateful and remember it's fine you're fine everything's fine you just gotta have faith in the fire until next time